4: All right,
2: everybody, it is Tuesday, July 18th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend, having a great start to the week. We are smack dab in the middle of the summer. The UFC was just at the apex this past Saturday. The women's bantamweight division has themselves a new contender in Myra Bueno Silva after defeating Holly Holmes, submitting her in the second round. Big win for her. It's going to be interesting to see what the UFC does moving forward at 135 pounds to crowd a new champion. I would assume they're going to go with Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington. Meyer Buena Silva gets the winner. Only thing that really makes sense right now. I saw some people on onto the next one suggest maybe if Meyer Buena Silva wants to get another fight in before fighting for the belt, maybe throw in there with Arini Aldana on that September 16th card. I'm her. I'm probably not doing that, but it is an option nonetheless, but we could talk about that. We could talk about some other things. And I have a feeling Excuse me, that anything that I would talk about in a monologue is going to get brought up here on the program. So let's just go right to you guys and see what you have to say on this Tuesday morning. Four Corner Sports, hello.
5: Hey, how you doing, Mike? Um, I, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, first, I'll start off with uh, Michael Ben-Page. I was actually shocked to hear that uh, he announced on the MMA Hour that he's a free agent. I just wonder, you know, to you, who you think – I mean, I saw Nolan King ended up putting it out there—the whole thing of uh, the Pitbull Brothers, AJ McKee, and uh, MVP on USC.com. I don't know if that's accurate or not. So I saw a bunch of people retweeting that. But do you think the USC is going to make a push for um, Michael Venom Page? And if so, I mean, I have a feeling that somebody of that marquee, they're probably going to do something what they did to Michael, like how they did with Michael Chandler, put him on a big card. I would predict maybe November. And and if that happens, I actually was looking at, at uh topology. I could actually see a matchup of uh, MVP versus the winner of uh, Miguel Baeza versus Jake Matthews as a, kind of like a, an entry into the UFC. And if he doesn't get into the UFC, who do you think he signs with? And then um, I wanted to talk about the Myra um, um holly Holm fight. I was actually very astonished at how quickly uh, the fight ended. Sorry about that, that's NYPD in the background. But uh the reason why I felt like uh you know Silva shouldn't get a uh, a title fight is just cause she's ranked ten. And how do you how do you think a matchup I know my 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 pick was Dudu uh for Otno, but how do you think a matchup between her and uh, GDR uh, sounds like, you know, as like a number one contender fight? Alright, that's all for me. Thanks.
2: I mean if they went that route I mean, I wouldn't hate it, but I feel like if you go out there and you beat Holly Holm and you do it convincingly and you finish Holly Holm, whether she's 41 years of age or not, you should be in a position where your next fight is for the belt. 100%. You do it in a main event. She's ranked number three now. Let Pena and Pennington do the thing, and then MBS can get the winner. Now, if you want to give her one more fight, if you want to do the Aldana fight, if she wants to take it, sure. If you want to do GDR in the comeback fight, sure. If you're going to make her fight again, it's got to be one of those two. Nobody else makes sense. Nobody else makes sense. But if I'm Myra Silva, I ain't fighting anybody. I'm um, the backup for the title fight, and then I'm getting the winner. She doesn't need to do anything else right now. This division needs movement, and they need things to happen right away. If I'm Silva Buenosilva, if... The UFC has a date in mind and they present it to Payne and Pennington, and one of them says no. MBS gets the next call and she's stepping in there and getting that shot because she has earned it. So maybe G- it, it all depends on what she wants to do, honestly. Um, the MVP thing, I didn't see that one coming, but. And I know Bellator hates when I take shots at him, but how do you not know <laughs> that? that one of the biggest stars in your promotion is coming up for free agency. How do you not know that? MVP said on the MAR, like, he didn't really know, nobody really knew, the date just kind of passed before anyone realized. Like, how do you let that happen? How do you let that happen? I don't understand. I don't understand. What this has led to is a whole bunch of shenanigans on social media, especially on Twitter, Saw a bunch of it. Um, You go on the UFC's roster page. Both Pitbull brothers are there. MVP's there. Fedor's there. I know Fedor's retired, but he's still on there. Uh, AJ McKee was on there. And from what I understand, those names have been on that page for quite some time. Some of them have competed on UFC Fight Pass in the past, whether it's in a a grappling event or something that was – aired on Fight Pass, that puts them there. And a lot of people are speculating, well, maybe the UFC just bought Bellator. Um, I don't know for sure. I have reached out to people who would be in the know. Not that they would like tell me anyways, but from what I understand, it's just a weird coincidence and nothing more. And as far as where MVP could go... I think the UFC will talk to him. I think they will present him with an offer. But at this point in his career, I'm sure he's looking to secure the bag and that's more important than anything else. And I don't think the UFC is going to match what Bellator would probably be able to offer him. What a one would probably offer him. What a PFL would offer him. BKFC is probably going to chuck a whole big bag at him. So I think MVP is going to have a lot of options. I don't think the UFC, I mean, maybe he's just like, you know what? I just want to test myself. Dollars be damned. I don't really care about the money. I just want to, I want to secure my legacy. I want to see what it's like to fight in the UFC. And if that's what he wants to do, then the UFC could be a player. But honestly, when it comes to, if it's all about the money and securing the biggest bag possible, I feel like the UFC is probably like fourth or fifth on the list. That's that's just what my gut is telling me. But if he were to fight in the UFC, I mean, you mentioned one matchup. I, I think he's going to fight a ranked guy. If he gets in there, he's probably fighting a ranked dude. I don't think there's a tune-up fight. Like Michael Chandler fought Dan Hooker his first fight. I would assume MVP would get similar treatment. Whether it's a JDM or... Winner or loser of Vicente Luque versus RDA. Like somebody like that. I don't think he's fighting a Jake Matthews type if they sign him. But if I had to bet $20 on where MVP ends up, not putting it on the UFC. Although it would be interesting. I'd like to see it. I just don't think they're going to come correct for him.
4: Cole, hello. Good morning, Mike. Um, Just Mm -hmm. one question for you. Well, I got something to say first. About four years ago, I went and saw the baddest man on the planet, the current baddest man on the planet, Francis Ngannou, against Junior Dos Santos in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And my ticket cost about $75. I was in the middle of the lower bowl, great seats. And right at presale, I went and bought two tickets to UFC Nashville, Sandhagen, Nurmagomedov main event. For two tickets, about same same spot spent about just under $700. I mean, guys, just ridiculous. And I, I can't wait to go there and actually ask people, like, what the hell these people are paying? Because, like, I can't imagine everybody around me paid the same, like, as me, but I guess they did. So I guess my question is, like, what do you make of just prices nowadays? I get inflation, but, my God, like, it can't be that bad. And what do you make of, like, the UK fans being priced out of this weekend's event and such like that. Shit's crazy, man.
2: I mean, we've been – I have been preaching this for years. And whether you go to events or you stay home and watch events, it is not cheap to be a mixed martial arts fan. It just isn't. And the UFC is on fire right now. They are printing money left and right. And I know a lot of people kind of crap on the Apex shows and – You saw sort of the memes of the guy holding the UFC ESPN Plus poster at the Apex. Dude paid probably $2,000 to go sit at the Apex for that card. The card ended up probably exceeding expectations because the last four fights were pretty good. But $2,000 to watch that card on paper? Yikes. That's a lot. But here's the thing, man. People are paying it. People are paying it. I went... On Sunday, while we were doing Otno, and looked at the website for the UFC London tickets, and they're pretty much all gone. There's maybe like 100 seats left on Sunday. So while they're pricing out a lot of the the hardcore fans, people are still paying it. And they're dropping multi-million dollar gates left and right no matter where they go. Even the Jacksonville card, like the Jacksonville card wasn't spectacular on paper. It was a pretty cool main event, but the rest of the card for an ABC card was not great. And they didn't sell that place out, but they probably had 11,000 people there. People are spending the money. They're spending the money. Pro wrestling is the same. AEW tickets are expensive. WWE tickets are expensive. Not as expensive as the UFC tickets. But they're expensive, and people are paying them. So that's not going to change. I expect the prices to go up even more. And it's just an unfortunate thing for fans who just want to go see a UFC event. You have to save money. You have to open a savings account with giant interest rates to go to a UFC card. It's wild, man. It's wild. I feel for all the fans. I feel for all the fans right now that are... Paying hand over fist to go attend one card. Mikey, hello. What's up, man?
6: Just been a uh, long two weeks. Um. Anyways, um. Yeah. Uh. As for Myra Baril Silva, you could just thematically, you can't have her fight anyone else after beating Holly Holm. Like Holly Holm is basically the, she's the key to a title shot. You know what I mean? She's the gatekeeper of that division. She's one of the gatekeepers of that division as an ex-champ. I mean, I wouldn't mind if she took... Hypothetically, she probably should fight... Myra Brunel should probably beat another quote-unquote high-ranked contender, but when you beat Holly Holm, that's just one of those like, you can't go from Holly Holm to like Carl Rosa, all due respect. You know what I mean? Um, She secured herself a spot in the top 10, and as I've always preached, if as long as you're in that sweet spot of the top 10 maybe especially the top five you're you position yourself into a title shot you don't have to be the perfect number one contender where you've beaten where you've cleaned out half the division to get a title shot just position yourself correctly and i think that's the thing that fans keep like they keep uh doing this thing where it's like you know i see these i see fans on twitter always make stuff and they think it's like this good idea and i'm sitting there going like and this is how you kill divisions because you go with like, oh, let's have shaft let's have Chef Cat, uh, fight Shemaya right away. And I'm like, oh, why have them fight now when you could wait until they're both in title contention and one of them is a champ and they fight for the title? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. There's certain t- I feel some MMA fans don't really know what their timing is. They want everybody to fight everybody at this right at the beginning. And It's like, dude, no, that's how you kill off divisions, and then you guys sit here and wonder why pay per views don't have good title fights, because you had all the prospects killing each other off before a title fight happens, you know? And um, as for Michael Venom Page, um, given his age, he's kind of in this weird spot where it's like he's going to demand to be in a top spot right away. Uh, PFL would be enticing, but the funny thing is he's not going to be guaranteed that $1 million person unless he wins the whole thing, but they would pay him a lot. He could go to one champ, he could go to one, but... They're becoming more of, like, a kickboxing organization. Ryzen, eh. He could go back to Bellator. Maybe he's just one of those things where he's, like, you know, leveraging offers to get Bellator. Because I believe Bellator has matching rights to him. So, he could – I could see him doing that. But, again, if we're talking competition-wise, I mean, the UFC is where he's got to go. I mean, I, especially with the way welterweight is shaping out, where it's, like, a lot of the top contenders and champions are getting old. And you can't really give a title shot to some, you know, to, you're not going to give Jack Medley a title shot right now. So you could, I could see Venom Page being given the contract where it's like, hey, man, you win your next two fight, you win your first two fights, like Michael Chandler, he's going to get a title shot. And listen, who knows? He might even be a different fighter in the UFC than he is in Bellator, you know? And yes, I would like to see him fight Leon Edwards, you know? So that'll be all for me today, guys. Be kind as always. Talk to you later. We'll see.
2: We'll see how he fits into this puzzle. I mean, again, it, it all comes down to what he wants. Is it about legacy? Is it about getting the biggest fights possible against the toughest competition? If that's the case, I think the UFC is the place for him. If it's about cashing in, and you know, a, a lot of what he said yesterday, I want to see what my value is. I want to see what my value is. And maybe it is a negotiating tactic to go back to Bellator or... Go elsewhere. I just don't think the UFC is going to touch what Bellator had been paying him. I just don't see it happening. He's 36. If it's about money, he's mentioned going back to, to the BKFC world in that conversation with Ariel. I think they'll probably come with the biggest offer for him. It's just a matter of if that's what he wants to do. One would actually be a pretty good place for him. You know, he could have kickboxing matches. He could have MMA fights. There's lots of things you could do there. PFL, you can go after the Millie. Um, But maybe there's some value from the UFC as well because they do go to London two to three times a year now. And if you put Michael Page on the cards, he's actually going to be there on Saturday. Maybe they'll test it out and see what kind of reaction he gets if they put him on the screen. And if I'm the UFC, I would absolutely put him on television. Oh, there's Michael Page, MMA fighter, high-ranked welterweight. He's a free agent, not under lock and key with anybody. And just see what kind of reaction. If the arena goes bananas for him and you could hear it on TV, maybe that's something they explore a little bit more. But, yeah. And with Meyer Buena Silva, look, if Holly Holm had won that fight, Raquel Pennington was screwed. She was out of the title fight. They were going to do Pena Holm. That's what they were doing. But guess what? Meyer Buena Silva not only won that fight, but in hindsight, she did the UFC, and I think she did fans a big favor. I think they did a big... Look, Holly's a big name. She's got some big wins. She's a former champion. It means something to still beat her, even though she's 41. But she was getting a title fight if she had won. Even if she won a decision, she was getting a title fight. So, MBS, it's up to her. If she wants to take another fight, that's on her. But if... I'm her. I'm just waiting to see how this all plays out and fight the winner at bantamweight. Because the UFC needs to get this division going. They need to crown a new champion, and they have to try to make this division interesting, or at least at least do something. There's like twelve women's bantamweights right now. Thirteen with like Melissa Dixon and Arena Alexeva. There's just not a lot here. We have to build this thing up. So we got to crown a champion. We have to defend this title couple of times let's get the wheels moving a little bit it's been a minute since uh we've heard from mr michael morgan michael what's up buddy
7: you tell me it's all about you
2: mike what the heck what's going on how you doing man I'm just...
7: Living the dream, buddy. That's good to see. That's tremendous uh, to be inspired by. As you know, I've seen how the (laughs) sausage has been made, and there was a couple of things which you said earlier which I just really wanted to touch upon, and that was you were talking about the tickets, especially with regards or in regards to uh, London tickets for UFC. You and I know how the sausage is made, and I'm not sure if you've seen this in action, but I have. When they actually have tickets, surplus They comp a whole load. Not only do they comp them, but they literally give them away uh, on the street. I've actually seen this. Hundreds of tickets being given away uh, on the streets. Where was it? I saw this now, Nottingham. Because you'll know that this is very much a TV product as opposed to a, or as well as a arena product. So seeing Red Bear arenas is never a good look. And that is what you've experienced when you saw on Sunday the exponential filling up of the O2. Yeah,
2: man. It's, uh... we'll see what happens. Like I said, I looked at, um... we were looking things up. I was looking at, I think it was Ticketmaster, whoever was distributing the tickets, and it was almost sold out. And I don't know if they they like position it that way because they gave a bunch away. And, I, and look, even at pro wrestling events, they comp. And I'm sure the UFC had radio buys and all these different things. And when you do that, sometimes you barter. I mean, look, I've, I've worked in radio a long time. Sometimes you barter with tickets. You give them away on the radio. And in turn, you run commercials for the event, try to get people to buy tickets or at least watch on television. Um, so I'm sure there's a bit of that going on. I remember when the UFC came to Albany, New York and when I was working in Western Massachusetts, Albany was a 30 it's a 35 minute drive. So that's how the UFC did it. they They bartered, they did interview trades, they did all sorts of different things to to try to get people into the door. and that's just how the business works. but again, the ticket prices, can be pretty ridiculous but people are paying them and the one time it's really faltered from what i understand and, and look there's other examples of this but 283 in brazil that crowd was dead they were dead why because the boisterous loud crazy hardcore fans priced out priced out just a bunch of High roller fans who are like, Ooh, I'm at a UFC event," and they reacted as such. But the thing about London is whether you price out people or not, that crowd's going to be electric. At least that's what I think that crowd, no matter what card the UFC brings, they're going to come and they're going to be ready to go. And they're going to sing and they're going to dance and they're going to have a damn good time. And they're going to have a couple of soda, a couple of bevies before they go in there. Probably a few more while they're in there at like $17 a pop. And they're going to be feeling good and they're going to be singing songs. And when Molly McCann comes out, they're going to go absolutely insane. And then when Tommy Aspinall comes out, they're going to blow the freaking roof off the building. So again, people are paying them, paying the prices. I remember when, Bo- as soon as the Boston tickets went on sale, I had so many of my friends, family members reach out and be we like, Jesus Christ, like $300? To sit in the balcony to go to a UFC card? I'm like, yeah, man, welcome to 2023. But I'm sure that Boston card is, I'll have to look it up later, but I would be stunned if it's not just about sold out because it's been almost four years since they've had an event at the Garden. And there are friggin' fight fans in Boston. That is for damn sure. So I assume that place will sell out by the time we get to August 19th.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
8: Henderson, hello. You too. Stuff. I don't believe the UFC has signed him yet. That the others, the other names. No, that are, they
2: haven't signed. Yeah, him
8: yeah. That, I, no that, I don't way. think. I think that's totally like just random BS, but as far as his options, I I always thought of him kind of as like a lesser version of wonder boy, right? Like he's not as good as wonder boy. He kind of has like karate style. It's interesting. It's fun. He gets cool knockouts every once in a while. Um, so he could do the UFC thing, but I even think wonder boy would still beat him right now. So what's even the point of that? I I think he has more options at one. Like you said, he could do all sorts of weird stuff. You know, they throw lots of money his way and get him to do like some sort of big appearances. But here's what I want to put out there as a possibility, right? How about Showtime Pettis in the PFL uh, pay per view that's coming up? Because uh, Pettis has said he just did a boxing fight. He actually won somehow, but. Uh, he's going to be coming back to PFL just for pay-per-views from now on. And I think that would be a really cool fight. Just they could probably do it at 170. I think that would probably work for both of them. Um, And it could be a really good fight. Uh, One other thing I want to mention too, is just the UFC I think has figured out as far as his ticket prices that for the people that are going to pay, they can charge crazy numbers. So, like, they could charge crazy amounts for the pay per views. They can charge bars a lot to show the pay per views. They could charge people to show up to the arena and Apex and all that. But they also know that, like, 75% of their audience, I would say, is just pirating it or sharing it or not paying or whatever, right? So, it's kind of a weird business model because. If, if the only people who saw the UFC were the people who actually paid properly, they'd have such a small audience. But around the world, people are just sharing these videos, and that's what's actually growing the UFC is all these pirated stuff that they claim to hate. So I just think that's a weird model. But all right, want to hear your thoughts on that and uh, Showtime Pettis versus MVP.
2: You could do that there, or you could do it in gaybred boxing. That's another option for MVP because. They are just paying out the wazoo to, to put these, these fight cards together with bigger-named MMA fighters boxing each other. I mean, look at the payouts they had from that Milwaukee card. So that could be an option as well. It's definitely something to look at. But again, it's all what MVP wants. Is this about securing a bag, or is this about testing yourself against the best fighters in the world? And if it's about the latter... I think the UFC is the place to go. And I think the timing's actually pretty good right now. Could MVP get himself a welterweight title fight right now? Yeah. He could fight Yaroslav Amasov, but that's an awful fight for him. And I think he probably knows that. And the juice just probably doesn't seem worth the squeeze to him at that point. Now, if it is about money, I think, like I said, I think Bellator is gonna come better. I think... BKFC is probably going to come the most correct. I think one, PFL, I think all of them are going to pay more for MVP services than the UFC will. But I think fans would like to see MVP get tested out there and just see how it goes. Like they took a chance on Michael Chandler. I'm sure he made decent money, but I'm sure it's just not, it was more of an opportunity than, hey, we're going to give you a million dollars to fight. I'm sure Chandler's making a lot of money now because he's gone out there and had fun fights and crazy finishes and performances. So he's earned that right to make more money. They gave him an opportunity. He came through in a big way for them. He's a company guy. But I think they might be a little hesitant with MVP because MVP is a guy that kind of speaks his mind when it comes to promotions. Has he dumped on Bellator many times in the past? Yes, he has. Have him and Scott Coker publicly gone back and forth, more so on the MVP side? Yes. And I think when looking at potential options and where MVP could end up going, I think the UFC is going to k- take that into account. Do we want this guy going on the MMA hour and shitting on us? Is it worth it? Because MVP ain't going to make or break the UFC by any stretch. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. My get. My guess is he's going to stay with Bellator. If I had to like take a stab at it, it's Bellator or BKFC. But I, who the hell knows?
4: I mean, I can't,
2: I'm stunned. I haven't gotten asked about one specific fight in fighter, uh, just yet. Speaking of contracts and what they want and what they feel they're worth and all of that. Um, Maybe we'll get there soon. If not, I'll talk about it and tell you what I've learned about said situation. Drew,
4: hello. Hey, how you doing, man? Um, Good. Obviously, last time, fight night was in London. You know, he had Aspinall, Meatball Molly. But this time around, pretty notorious Brit, not on the card, Patty the Batty. Um, what do you think about everything going on with him, the weight issues, where he would, where he's going to fight next, and, you know, who he's going to fight next? <sighs> I mean, he's saying the right
2: things. I don't know. I, I, I one of the things I've learned about Patty, and we're we're starting to see him kind of be more of himself. Like less I mean, he's still the, the the Patty the Batty character and he knows what to do to rile people up and and get emotions flowing. But he's also being a little bit more honest with how things played out. Now, is he gonna sit there and say Jared Gordon beat him? No. But is he gonna say that he was down in the dumps in the performance and all of that, and saw what people had to say, and it kind of irked him a little bit. Never really heard that. I haven't, since he signed with the UFC, I haven't really heard that from Patty. He's starting to, to see some of the negatives and say, like, look, I'm not going to eat 8,000 calories anymore and all that. So we'll see how it all goes. He's in an interesting spot right now. That's for sure. Who he's going to fight. I have no idea. No idea. Do they want to just give him not a layup, but do they want to give him a step back and just get him going? Maybe. But I kind of feel like the ball is rolling towards a Matt Favola fight, and it's a fight that Patty can win. And it's a fight that gets him into the top 15 if he does win. So, if he fights this year, I think that's the way they're going to go. And I think that fight makes a lot of sense. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's go to Satan's patron. Okay. What's up? Are you there? You're muted. Hey, how's it going? Hey,
9: this, What's this up, man? is Corey out here in Denver. I was uh... – I was going to ask you about the women's featherweight division, but I can tell you're dying for this hot tag. So tell us what you know about Paulo Costa, man.
2: Well, I mean, what about the women's featherweight division? We'll do both. Uh, just,
9: what's your take on it? What should they do? Because I know – I feel like it's where I guess – well, I mean, it's worse than men's flyweight was about two or three years ago. But I feel like I don't want them to get rid of it because, obviously, the more opportunities, the better. But what what can they do to try and build this thing up? I know the there's more people out there. They just got to go find them.
2: Well, um, they need somebody to, like, carry that division. And for a little while, they had – I mean, just, just look what they had. They had – I mean, GDR won the belt in one of the worst fights of all time. I was there. Yikes. Then she – was no longer the champion Chris Cyborg won the belt and things were interesting because Chris was there. And then Amanda just blew the doors off of her and she was the two division champ, but the division really never moved. Like she had title defenses against the Felicia, the Felicia Spencer's of the world and the Megan Anderson's of the world. And she just ran through all of them and none of it was really a surprise to anybody. I think you got to get Kayla Harrison in. I think she is like the one that gets this thing cooking, but I don't think they're going to like pay her what she was making at PFL. So again, it's what she's looking for. I just don't know if you have enough talent. You You don't even have enough to fill 135 right now. The 135 pound rankings for the UFC. Let me just look at them since they've been updated, but heading into Saturday, there was like, Twelve actual bantamweights, and then the rest were featherweights. Like a oh, look who we're at where are you? Norma Dumont is twelve; she's a featherweight. Says she can make bantamweight, but she's a featherweight. Thirteen is Julia Avila. I don't know when she's coming back. She just had a kid. Josiane Nunez is mostly a featherweight. Chelsea Chandler is definitely a featherweight, and they're ranked at bantamweight. So you have not just featherweight to fill; you have bantamweight to fill, and. We tried with the Ultimate Fighter, right? We did a whole Ultimate Fighter season to try to build this division. And what happened? Half the women they signed just went back to 135. So, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't know if, like... Look, I like Norma Dumont. She wins fights. She's she's very solid. But you, there's just not a lot there. You got to... You could do her and Nuna. Josiane Nunez, maybe. But then you have to build this division. But you still have to build 135. So... I don't know what they're going to do. Not confident that they're going to crown a new champion and keep this division alive. Will they just kind of keep it as a thing? If they book Bantamweight fights and then someone falls through last minute, they just do it at 45 like they did with some other fights? Sure, they could do that. The Paulo Costa thing. So, the internet went a buzz. Multiple times yesterday. One was because of this whole, oh my God, there's Bellator fighters on the UFC roster page. Did the UFC buy Bellator? The other thing was a tweet went out and let me just pull it up because we obviously were looking into this yesterday. Uh, a tweet came out. Judo Better nine nine five said, "My inside sources told me that Costa versus Igram is not going to happen, and UFC are looking to book Deleze versus Aliscaroff. Nothing official, but info comes from Ikram's camp, so I'm sure it's true." Here's what I've been told. I have been told. I'm not saying that Paul Costa is out of the fight or anything, because as you know, the second this fight was announced, I have been very vocal about this. Until I see Paul Costa's ass, not his ass, but his being in Salt Lake City doing media and doing all the things that a fighter would do to prepare for a pay-per-view fight, I don't believe this fight's happening. If Paul Costa wasn't going to fight Robert Whitaker, why in God's name would he fight Ikram Alaskarov unless he signed this new deal? He said he was making like a million dollars to fight all this, but from all accounts, no new deal was signed. Okay? What I will tell you, from what I know, Roman Delizze is not fighting Igor on July 29th. I have been told by multiple people uh, there are different plans in place for Roman Delizze as of right now. Not saying that something crazy could happen and they give him a call and a ring-a-ding-ding and a whole bunch of money to step in on short notice and fight this guy, but from what I was told from multiple people, confirmed it a little bit more last night, Roman Delizze is not fighting Igor Alaskarov on July 29th. There are other plans for him um, as of right now that are being discussed. And him turning around in less than two weeks to fight Ikram Alaskarov is not one of them. And why would Deleze take that fight anyways? Why would he take that fight? What does that do for him? It does nothing for him. It does the UFC a, a favor if that's presented to him. But why would he take that fight? That makes no sense. Brandon Allen told Brett Okamoto after UFC Jacksonville that as soon as he was done fighting, they offered him a main event fight against Roman DeLizze in September. So if they were planning on having Roman DeLizze headline against a ranked guy who's on a nice run, why would he fight at Granada who has one fight in the UFC? Dude's real good, and he's going to climb the ranks real fast. But that fight makes no sense for Roman D'Elize to take. But from what I understand, fake news on the Deleuze end know nothing about the Costa end, but we don't know anything about Costa anyway. Someone had quote tweeted some, or tweeted out something that Costa is not fighting because he's fighting Hamza Shamiyev in Abu Dhabi, and Costa had like quote tweeted saying that this guy knows what he's talking about. We'll see, but yeah, so. Once again, a as of right this moment, no plans for him to fight Ikram Alaskarov next Saturday. And I don't freaking blame him. If they offered him that fight if I'm Roman Dalidze. I'm like, hell no. Hell no. I want nothing to do with that. Let's go to Shay. Then we'll go to Dylan. And then we'll go to uh, Mr. Emmanuel. Shay, hello. Shay, are you there? All right, try again. Uh, let's go to Dylan. Dylan, do we have
9: you? Yeah, you got me, Mike. Yes, sir. How are um, you? I'm pretty good. Um, hey, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts for a second on uh, Jack Dela Maddalena. Like, uh, I I know that like he had two weight cuts in two weeks, and so maybe that's why he. Obviously, that's why he looked a little, like, you know, sloppy, maybe. But as far as, like, technique-wise and stuff, he made some really bad choices against Basil. I can't remember that guy's last name. And I'm not going to pretend like I knew who he was going into it. But obviously, that guy was underrated. But I feel like if they run that Sean Brady fight back, Brady's going to be able to hold him down on the ground and possibly submit him. And you can't make mistakes like that with Brady, so... I, had, I was really high on him going into that Brady fight. And then maybe seeing that fight just technique-wise kind of maybe pump the brakes a little bit, but I'm, I'm still high on him, but I don't know. I, I feel like, I think Brady would have got takedowns and Brady probably would have held him down the entire round if they would have fought. But I just kind of wanted to know your thoughts on that. And also I got in today 10 minutes late. So if somebody asks this first off, I'm sorry. Oh,
2: no, uh, First, first uh, JDM question. First of all, let me reiterate what I said on Sunday. I thought JDM won that fight. I don't think there was really any controversy there. Uh, I know a lot of people are screaming robbery. I don't think it was a robbery. I don't think there was a robbery. I thought JDM won the last two rounds. You know, you could take somebody down, like, just don't listen to what Dominic Cruz says, and you will be better off when it comes to scoring fights. Because Dominic Cruz just feels like, well, if you get a takedown and you lay on someone from two minutes, you automatically win the round. It's not true. It's not true. And I agree with you. JDM wasn't his best night, that's for sure. Jumping Gilly a whole bunch. You don't want to do that. I think we've learned that over the years watching this, this crazy sport of ours. But look, sometimes you just don't have it. And if you don't have it, but you can still find a way to win – That's the mark of somebody you need to keep an eye on and get excited excited about. People talk. I've talked to fighters for years who, there are certain days where they wake up in the morning and they're just like, I don't care who I fight. I don't care if I fight the champion. I would whoop that dude's ass. And you just have that feeling. And on the flip side, you wake up and you just don't feel good. You're just like, I guess I have to go fight. Not feeling really good about myself right now, but I'm going to go do it. And a lot of times that fighter just goes through the motions and loses the fight. And sure, there are technical deficiencies that JDM's going to have to shore up. He's going to have to figure out how to get up after getting taken down. He's going to have to work on his takedown defense. He's a very good offensive grappler, not a tremendous defensive grappler as we saw. And that's why I said... On the preview show before UFC 290, I didn't think Josiah Harrell was going to beat JDM, but stylistically what this guy brings to the table, I felt like he could have given JDM a tough fight. I was still picking JDM to win, but everyone's like, oh, Josiah Harrell's no chance of of beating JDM. He's just going to get knocked out in the first round. I didn't think that at all. I actually thought it was going to be a pretty close fight. I would still pick JDM, because he's the bigger fighter. But that's what Josiah does so well. He just takes you down and he puts a pace on you that is hard to, it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop. And shout out to Basil. He had a good fight, but I didn't think he won. I think JDM won. I think the judges got it right. If I'm the UFC, I ain't going near that Sean Brady fight. Um, If I'm JDM, if they offer it, yeah, cool. I just don't think it happens. He had the, you know, Brady had the infection and he's recovering from all that. He was hospitalized for a while. Now he's got to kind of get back in shape, get back into a camp, and then he has to travel internationally because that I would assume JDM's going to fight in Sydney next. I don't think he's going to do that. So I think Neil Magny's an interesting option. Uh, I liked the Joaquin Buckley option. I know Buckley's not ranked, but a matchup that I think JDM has some advantages in Buckley could wrestle if he wanted to and make things a little more interesting for JDM, but it's a fight. He could win. It's a fight that I think people would be like, Oh, that's a pretty cool fight. And we're not rushing him. There's no rush for JDM right now. There's no need to, to fly him up the rankings and, and all of that. So we'll see what happens. I'm, Yeah, I think it gave people some pause, but again, sometimes you just wake up and you don't have it. But if you can come out when you don't have it, and have a bad night and still win, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, Let's go to Kat Dunkor-Emmanuel. Hello,
3: sir. Yeah, hello. Um, I have an idea and I wanted to run it through you to see what you think. Um sure. I was thinking that since uh, Jamal has relinquished his title, instead of making um, uh, easy fight DDP, if DDP is not ready, why don't they actually make easy fight Yee Prohaska for the title? And whoever wins... Has to fight one of Blahovic or Pereira. Either way, it sets up a blockbuster match because if Yiri wins against Easy, and let's say Blahovic wins, it's an Eastern European fight that they could put together. If Easy wins and Pereira wins, that's already a blockbuster match that would happen. Or even if it is the other way around and Easy wins and Blahovic wins, that's a rematch. And if it's uh, Yuri versus Pereira 2, that's like The Apprentice versus The Apprentice of um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Against Yuri Prohaska, and that would be also a very good match. What do you think about it?
2: Um, I like the, uh, the forward thinking. I will say this. I would feel better about it had Robert Whitaker won that fight against Dracus 2 plus C, I'd feel better about it because I don't think fans would be in a giant rush to watch Izzy and Rob fight again. But I think right now, Izzy DDP is one of the biggest fights the UFC can make right now, for good or for bad. We know how the build's going to be. It's going to be awful. But if there's one thing the UFC does well is they know how to promote a rivalry and they, they know how to use bad things to promote fights. And... I just don't feel like the UFC is going to veer away from this at all. I really don't. So what I think will end up happening is I don't think they're going to make the Blahovich pereira fight a title fight. Doesn't seem like that's going to be in the direction. Winner of that fights Yuri later on this year to crown a new champion, and we go from there. But yeah, with, with, with DDP and the rivalry and all the stuff going on there, the face-off at the end. There's no way the UFC is not going to do everything in their power to get those two guys in the octagon in Sydney in September. So if there's no other options, like let's see DDP goes for a jog and hurts himself and can't fight September 10th, yeah, maybe that's something they look at. But right now, if DDP can fight, they're going to make that fight, 100%. Uh, Let's go to Every Day's a Battle. Perhaps. Oh, you're muted. Every Day's a Battle, do we have you? Hello, we have you. Hey, how's it going?
6: Good, 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 man. So I like the idea about um, Jerry and Jerry facing the winner of Pereira Blachovic. But I have a suggestion rather about Izzy, since he's so busy at middleweight right now. Would it be a crime if if the DDP fight takes place a bit later and rather they put Strickland for Sydney, since I think Strickland might be more ready to go than DDP? I don't know if he took any injuries or anything, but... If they ever want to make a fight in Africa, there's more incentive, to, more incentive to do it with DDP than there is with Strickland. So rather, Strickland fight in Sydney. What do you think?
2: I have no issue with that whatsoever. And I know it's weird that Strickland would get a title fight after beating Abu Smaga off but look... Again, the UFC knows how to build heat. They know how to use old clips and turn it into something big. Just go back to International Fight Week last year when Izzy and Sean Strickland were at that press conference and Strickland went after Izzy and was firing shots at him and Izzy was kind of going through it, but it seemed like Strickland got the got the edge on him there. You could build that fight and then DDP gets the winner. I like honestly I would prefer that to happen, just because you're right. You're you're right. If they're gonna doing Adesanya versus DDP in Sydney, just seems like a waste. When if Africa is truly in the plans and it's in the plans sooner rather than later, that like that's that's where this this freaking fight should happen, not in Sydney. If it's just getting out, Izzy on the card and fighting somebody in Sydney and making those people happy who bought tickets and spent all that money, then just have him fight Strickland. I know that you're taking the risk that the banana peel thing happens and Strickland somehow wins. I'm sure DDP Strickland would be a nice build. And if DDP beat Sean Strickland, which many would probably favor him to do, then you could still do the Izzy fight down the road. But... I think they're just going to strike while the iron's hot and just try to get this DDP fight going in Sydney. But I'm uh, honestly, that is an Africa fight that that is, if they're going to go to Africa and they can go there in the next nine months to a year, that's the fight you, you bring there in my opinion, my opinion, but we shall see how it plays out. I like that idea better than Izzy. I would not that I'd like or dislike any of the ideas that have been presented, but I feel like that idea is more sensible and more realistic than Izzy fighting Yuri for the vacant light heavyweight title in September. Brett, hello.
0: Uh, hey, Mike. Um, with the amount of success that Bo Nichols having, um, and the amount of people that have gotten behind him, do you think the UFC regrets not making a bigger push to try to sign Gable Steveson? And do you think they'll uh, go out of their way, try to find more of these, you know, really high-level wrestling guys that aren't quite good enough for the Olympic team or, you know, in Bo Nichols' case, they're just stuck behind really, really high-level elite wrestlers. Uh, just because in the past, you know, they haven't done a great job, in my opinion, getting all those guys, a lot of those guys go to Bellator, stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you.
2: I don't think the UFC will regret anything at this point. I mean, they're just they're just so far ahead. They can't they can't make a wrong move. Like I don't think they're sitting there like, damn it, should have got Gable Stevenson before he went to WWE. And who knows if, G- if Gable even would have taken, which w- would have been probably like an entry level deal, like probably a little higher than like the Contender Series contracts. But I don't think you would have, Gabe. I think Gable went to WWE because he still has the freedom. Like, if he wants to go wrestle again, he can. If he wants to go and compete in the college wrestling scene one more year, he could do it. If he wants to go try for the Olympics again, he can do it, and WWE will let him do it. I don't think the UFC would give him that same longer leash, if you will. So, but I don't think um, I don't think they they regret anything. I don't think they regret anything. But Bo is. Look, Bo's got something. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see what they do next. I saw some, like, I saw some people say like Bo Nickel should fight Junyun Park next. No. What, why? Why would you book that fight now? What is the point? What is the point? No. There is no rush for Bo Nickel right now. Let him take gradual steps. They're not building Bo to anything in particular right now. Like, with Alex Pereira, he was signed to get him to Izzy. Let's give Izzy, who has fought all these guys, something new, a storyline that fans can sink their teeth into. And they did it perfectly. Right now, there's nothing like that for Bo. I know he continues to say, like, oh, I'm going to fight Hamzat Shamayef at Reliance Stadium, but you're so far away from that. Like, there's no need to rush him. So... My suggestion was, you know, it, the highest I would go with Bo right now is give him Puna Soriano. Give him Puna. I think it's a good step up. Punas has no issue being the hammer. He will get in Bo's face. Bo would probably beat him or have a really good chance to do so. But it's a different kind of a challenge, and we're giving him gradual steps up. So, no. Junyoung Young Park deserves to fight a ranked guy right now. He deserves to fight a ranked dude. Get him in there with, like I was saying on, on to the next one, and I think Jed agreed with me. Give him Nassar Imovov. Give John Park, at Imovov. Do it in Paris. Imovov doesn't have an opponent for Paris. That's a good fight. Give this dude a shot against a ranked guy. And let's see what he can do. Let's go to Daniel, and then we'll go to Shea, and then we'll go to Billy, and then we're going to get the hell out of here.
8: Daniel, hello. Hey, Mike, heck of a morning to you. Uh, you know me, I'll keep it short and sweet here. Um, just want to get your opinions on Terrence McKinney. Uh, super exciting fighter, you know, but now he's just had a couple losses here. I think three and one here in his last four. Um, just curious just what you think the next steps for him are. You know, if you think he'll still be in the UFC in a year or so. Um, like I said, just super fun and exciting to watch. But just seems like, you know, he's he's pretty first round of the line here. Uh, just curious on your opinions. Thanks, Mike yeah it's
2: been uh, it's been kind of weird with Terence McKinney right because we've been saying this about him for a while that you know if you can get Terence out of the first round, then you have a really good chance of winning but this is like a different version of Terence McKinney where the Terence McKinney who fought like Drew Dober, that dude is like an animal. He just went in there and tried to kill you in the first round. This guy who fought Ismail Bonfim, who fought Nazim Sadikov on Saturday. Not saying that the, that animal instinct is not in there, but he's trying to kind of cage it up a little bit, be a little more patient. And he looked pretty good and decent in that first round. And then things change. I will say this though, and I'm not making excuses for Terrence. I don't, like once that fight got to the second round, I didn't think Terrence is going to win. And you can feel how you want to feel about him. Like t- there's, it doesn't seem like there's any gray area with Terrence McKinney. You either really like this dude and you appreciate his story and you want to see this guy succeed, or you think he's kind of an asshole on social media and you just want to see him lose fights either way. He ain't wrong about the fence grabs. He is not wrong. Nazim Sadikov, and let me just preface this by saying, and I've been saying this for years because Jed and I have been screaming from the rooftops that every fighter, if given the opportunity, should just cheat their ass off, should just grab the fence at every point because it's not cheating if it's never called. And I don't blame Nazim Sadikov for taking a little edge because no one's going to stop him from doing it. But Terrence isn't wrong. The referee, after multiple warnings, should have been like, all right, dude, like you've grabbed the fence like four times and I believe there was some kind of a fence grab or two in the first round too. Like stand him up at least. At least be like, no, 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 no. We're standing you guys back up. And you can't deny that the fence grab did not help Sadikov get better positioning in order to finish that fight. So... Having said that, I don't think McKitty would have won that fight once it got to round two. But, yeah, very, very strange where we've gone w- with him because record break, seven-second knockout against Matt Favola, Gets the win over Ferez Zayam. Steps up on short notice, fights Drew Dober in one of the craziest three-minute and 17-second fights you'll ever see. Gets knocked out. Taps Eric Gonzalez in two minutes and then gets... Highlight reeled by Ishmael Bonfim and then gets tapped by Nazim Sadikov. It's just been a very weird road. I'm not ready to give up on Terrence McKinney yet, but I'll tell you what. Someone mentioned earlier who should Patty fight. And if Patty wants a fight that is not against Matt Frivola, that has some buzz, that's a step back from a Jared Gordon, I think the Terrence McKinney fight makes perfect sense for, for Patty. Cause I would pick Patty like right now I would pick Patty to win that fight. There aren't a lot of guys. I mean, I just feel that the durability of Patty, his ability to take a shot and not go down and not get taken out of a fight. I feel like that's just going to cause a lot of problems. I think Terrence will fight very emotional in that fight. And I think Patty can weather a storm and, probably win. So I feel like a fight between Patty and Terrence McKinney is more realistic now than ever. But I don't know. It's a, it, it's a It's been a strange run for Mr. T-Rex. All right, Shay, do we have you? Yes, yes,
8: yes. Good morning, good morning. What's... I, I good morning. was wondering your thoughts on this UFC 294 coming up, we only have one official fight.
2: And with Islam, the the amount of opponents available doesn't seem
8: very high level. I mean, Charles said he can't fight. Volk coming off a successful elbow surgery you just announced today. I mean you're hoping that Gaethje and Poirier beat the shit out of each other in a couple weeks. I mean, who is a true contender that Islam can fight? I mean he hasn't fought
0: since February. Like you're thinking this has to be his card. Like, what are your thoughts? Like,
2: what do you – they got to build this card. I mean, tickets come out Friday. So, I'm wondering what you think they're going to give Islam. And is it going to be – I mean, you got people like Chandler, but he's coming off a loss. You got people like Dariush, he's coming off a loss. It doesn't seem like there's a solid opponent that makes sense. And I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, this is a conundrum. But – This is this is Volkanovski's world right now. We are we are living in Volk's world, and if Volk says, "Hey," and apparently the elbow surgery isn't major, it's just uh, you know something. He's just cleaning something up. So when he said at the post fight press conference, "Like if they want, like if that opportunity is there, and I want to take it, I could." I believe him. I believe him. It's just a matter of does he want to do it. Because that is a back pocket fight. We don't we do not need to see Volkanovski fight Islam again. Not right now. I want to see those two guys fight again, but let's let these dudes like defend their titles a little bit more. Volk incredible performance against Yair. I want to see Volk fight Ilya Teporia so bad, and I just want to see how that fight works. Like Volk has guys to fight, and he's got guys coming up that are going to make for really interesting matchups at this point of his featherweight run. So, he's got guys to fight. Islam, right this second, doesn't have guys to fight, but he still has guys to fight. He's got Oliveira, who's coming off the win over Darius. Oliveira doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for October. We don't know for sure. This could be Oliveira just negotiating, perhaps. Maybe get a couple extra bucks to get him in there. But I think if Volk wants to fight, he's the number one option. And you mentioned a name to me that... That I've been screaming for a while now. Do not count Michael Chandler out of this race. In fact, if Volk ain't going, I think Chandler's going to get the shot. I think he's going to get the shot. Why? Because he's a company guy. Because he's over like Rover. He says yes. And who the fuck knows what's going on with Conor McGregor right now? If you're Michael Chandler, you got to get in there. Like You got to get in there and fight. And if they give you a title shot and Connor, I mean, who's going to say no to that? So I feel like Chandler is a very viable option here. And if it ain't Volk, or if it's Volk, Oliveira, Chandler, that's how I feel this is all going to, how this all plays out. If Volk calls the UFC right now and says, look, I'll be able to fight in October. That's the fight. If he can't go, I think they'll take one more stab at Oliveira. Oliveira is steadfast on, no, nope, can't do October. Chandler's getting a phone call. And Chandler ain't going to say no to that fight. So, I think those are your three options. And I kind of feel like Chandler's a really good chance of getting this fight. But we'll see. We shall see. All right, we'll get Zach in here, and then I really have to go. What's up, Zach? Hey Mike, can you hear me?
8: Yep. Uh, just real quick, I know uh, you said no more, but I... The last question reminded me of something I saw yesterday. What
6: are your thoughts on uh, the mayor of Volkanovsky's
8: hometown, his thoughts on MMA? I want to get your thoughts on that. What do you say? He basically Mm -hmm. is just taking the stance that they were taking back in the 90s, saying it's vitriol to human existence and
9: a whole bunch of uh, old takes back when they tried to uh, get rid of MMA. Hmm.
2: Honestly, it's the first I've heard about that. The first I've heard about it so interesting considering how much the sport has boomed in that part of the world but yeah so I don't think it's gonna stop the UFC at all <laughs> all right we got what we got Lato we'll go Lato and then I gotta go
6: Lado, hello you're muted. I'm mute. Wouldn't it make the most sense to just wait for the outcome for this upcoming event, and then that would be the next title shot for 155?
2: Well, in a perfect world, yes. But those two are going to Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje are going to beat the shit out of each other. They are going to kill each other in that fight, regardless of how long it takes. So to ask those two guys who are preparing for an absolute war, who are going to beat the hell out of each other, to turn around and fight for a belt less than two months later, or a little over two months later, you are asking a lot. Now, if Dustin Poirier wins that fight, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough hang to get him back in there because one, it's just not ideal because this honestly. Poirier gets a title shot and loses. I mean, that's probably his last chance at this point because eventually this division is going to have to move forward with some of these other contenders. Plus, on top of that, Poirier is a dad and his daughter's in school and he has talked many times about, I would prefer to fight in the summertime so I don't have to pull my daughter out of school and all that. And He talked about that a lot after the Michael Chandler fight. Not ideal to fight in November. Got an offer he really couldn't refuse. He had to pull his daughter out of school to go to Florida for different parts of the training camp. And when he was asked about fighting Dariush in February, a lot of people were just like, no, nah, not really interested in that. What he was trying to say, at least in my opinion, was I'm not interested in fighting Dariush in February because then I'm going to have to pull my daughter out of school again. I'm not fighting till July. All of that, and it seemed to kind of work out. I just don't think it happens. I don't think either of those guys turn around that fast. And Islam is fighting on this card. Like he's going to fight in Abu Dhabi. Otherwise, like, what are we doing here? What's going to headline if it's not him? It's got to be him. And then he can fight Oliveira, then he could, f- or the, the thing that stinks for Oliveira is, as soon as, if Oliveira doesn't take that fight in October, the winner of the BMF title fight is going to skip over him. There's just, it's just that, that that's just going to happen. So, the winner of the BMF title fight will fight the winner of Islam and whoever Islam fights. Now, if Justin Gaethje goes out, throws one punch and knocks Dustin Poirier out, could he turn around and fight for the belt? Sure. But both these guys are kind of on the home stretch of their careers. And they both probably are on their last chance to be a world champion. I don't think they're going to rush themselves into it. I don't. So I don't like it. it sure, it makes it. If Abu Dhabi is in December, different story. But it's October.
9: You can't move
2: it now. It's already set. Tickets going on sale this week. So, I think it's going to be Islam Chandler. That's going to be my guess, unless Volk wants to make something crazy happen. I think we'll get Shemayev on that card. Maybe against Jared Cannonier. We got Tim Elliott Muhammad Mahaev. Like, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know how the rest of this card is going to fill out. Usually, they, they put two title fights on these cards, but, like, what other... Do you do... It's kind of weird, but do you do Pennington-Pena in Abu Dhabi just to give him a second title fight? I I don't know. What other title fight could he do? The only other one I thought of was Pantoja and you could do Amir al-Bazi because it makes sense to have Amir fight for the belt in Abu Dhabi. I think that's Amir's best chance of getting a title shot next, but Pantoja and Moreno beat the shit out of each other. It's tough ass to get him back. I don't honestly. Leon and Colby aren't like that. Fight makes no sense in Abu Dhabi. I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna do. I'm trying to look at how this could play out. Let's look at the champ. Pantoja just fought. Sterling's fighting in August. Volk just fought. He's in play. But they're not going to they're not going to put the featherweight title on the line. Makachev's going to fight somebody. Leon Colby doesn't make sense in Abu Dhabi. Adesanya is probably going to fight in September. Jamal Hill is not the champion. Jan and Pereira are about to fight in July. Do one of those guys turn around and fight Yuri in Abu Dhabi? Perhaps. And John Jones is fighting Stipe in November. And Alexa Gras is fighting Valentina Shevchenko in September. And Zhang Wei Lee's fighting Amanda Lemosh. In Boston in August, so there's not a lot of options here. It's gonna be real interesting to see what this card looks like, but hopefully we'll find out sooner rather later. All right, I have to go four ounce sniper. I apologize. Uh, hop in Thursday. I'll make sure you cut the line. A couple of repeats are waiting, but I gotta go. Uh, we're actually getting ready to record. I'm stepping in uh, to do some some tough hang. You know what, four ounce sniper. If you can make this real quick, I'll get you in.
7: Hear me, Mike. Yo. Oh, I think yeah. you said uh, cut the line for Thursday, but I'll take it. Thank you. Thank for uh, having me.
2: I saw that. I saw the, the tears, and I, I I couldn't couldn't say no.
7: Oh, oh did there I we lose come. you? Oh, there yeah. We go. Somebody yeah. called me. Sorry about that. I'll try to make this quick. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, so, Nathaniel Wood. I don't know if anybody asked about him, but what do you think about his fight, and how do you see that playing out with him and Andre Feely this weekend? That's all, Mike.
2: It's a good fight. It's a good fight, and I I think it's a winnable fight for Nathaniel Wood and one that can make him look good and make him uh, another very interesting, another interesting dude at uh, at 145. Another potential, another potential uh, opponent for Volk in the future, perhaps. But yeah, good fight. Feely, Brings it every time. Nathaniel Wood looks, has looked great at 145. Should be a banger. It's one of the best fights on the card. That's that's for sure. Okay, I got to go. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be doing Tough Hang with GC. So look for that after the Ultimate Fighter episode drops. Yes, I will have to watch the Ultimate Fighter. And we'll see if Conor McGregor can avoid the historic sweep. 0-7 against Team Chandler. Uh, Hunter Azure is fighting New England's own Rico DeShulo in the final fight of the quarterfinals. And hopefully this is a good episode because if I have to waste time watching The Ultimate Fighter, um, every episode I've watched this season has been fucking atrocious. So hopefully we, we turn the corner here. Hopefully... We get some good vibes and I just don't feel like I wasted an hour of my life watching an episode of a show that has not evolved in almost 20 years. So thank you all very much. We'll be back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We will do it again. Until then, everybody, have a great rest of your Tuesday. And as always, have a heck of a morning.